Good day. My name is Myra Thomas, and I'm editor of Bank Automation News. Recently, I had the chance to speak with Charlie Ma, the general manager of FinTech at Alloy, where he's focused on deepening the up the platform's fintech offerings and go-to-market strategy. He joined Alloy in January of this year from Ramp, where he was head of growth and helped launch the first corporate card built for savings. Prior to Ramp, he was the first business hire at Plaid, where he led the fintech, fintech and developer sales vertical and built out the firm's New York office prior to Visa's $5.3 billion acquisition. Earlier in his career, Ma worked across several strategy and product groups at JPMorgan Chase, covering payments, APIs, blockchain, and fintech. Alloy, an identity decisioning platform, helps banks and fintech companies automate their decisions and workflows. Its platform connects the banks to the data needed to automate identity and risk decisions from onboarding and beyond, meaning better conversions, less fraud, and less manual reviews. The single API platform connects financial services companies to more than 85 data sources to help them verify identities and monitor transactions, giving a holistic view of each customer from the day they onboard throughout their life with the organization. I just want to welcome you, Charlie, to uh, The Buzz, and thanks very much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know the banks uh, that there are perks associated with capturing Gen Z customers, but there's also more inherent risk associated with onboarding them. You know, give me an idea what the perks and what the increased risk is about. Yeah, um, well, so we, we we know that the, this generation that there's there's going to be an, an event over the next you know couple of decades or so uh, of a big amount of wealth transfer going from the boomer generation to the millennial generation to the gen g generation right uh and and i think being able to capture uh that younger population and, and create a, a really powerful brand experience on day one like banking products are extremely sticky like banks know that right uh i think the first bank account that i ever had was a bank that uh, I opened uh, when uh, I was in high school. It was my first job. Uh, and I stuck with that bank for many, many, many years before I finally had to switch because I moved to a new city and I just couldn't bank with them anymore, right? Uh, but I think with the advent of digital banking, online banking, that uh, capturing that user early on and building that relationship early on uh, can be extremely valuable. Sure, absolutely. So talk, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what banks need to do in order to do better identity ver- ver- verification, particularly for this Gen Z group, because you say they're more difficult to try to figure this out for, you know, um, yeah. what, what KYC steps in automation should they take? Yeah, I, th- I think the, I think the biggest difference is, is it's sort of thinking about what is the product experience that sort of this generation is looking for um, and how do you actually build a KYC identity fraud sort of workflow around that product experience, right? I think everyone sort of knows now that, uh, you know, if, if the stereotypical Gen Z customer you know, doesn't want to go into a branch, talk to a person, open up a bank account, right? That, that's the historic method. I think the vast majority uh, of FIs uh, use to open bank accounts, but that isn't what Gen Z wants to do, right? Uh, they're much more used to opening up a phone, downloading an app, going through an onboarding process and being able to immediately transact uh, you know, with their banking application, with their fintech application uh, in real time. Um, but I think I have this, you know, I think there's this joke on the internet that uh, on the internet, no one knows if you're a fridge, if you're a dog, if you're a real person, right? Um, and as a result, there's a ton more fraud vectors that start to open up when you start to introduce 
kind of truly digital mobile first uh, onboarding. Uh, and so you can't be reliant upon, I would say, like traditional methods of identity verification, right? You can't just be reliant upon, oh, great. If, if, if you are, if you, you know, we, we look up against traditional databases and we, we see that this name does exist on the internet, we're going to, to onboard you through. Uh, you have to look uh, at a combination of other different signals for this generation in order to be able to, to accurately say whether or not they are who they say they are. And, and the other thing is, I think historically when it comes to KYC, uh, you're reliant upon kind of historical data, right? Whether it's uh, they have, you know, a history of, you know, they have a mortgage and that, that mortgage was, was put onto, uh, you know, some sort of data source um, or they, they've been moving around and you've seen, you know, histories of employment for that user, Gen Z doesn't have that, right? Oftentimes they maybe, maybe have had one job, maybe they're W2 workers and they've had many gig jobs. Uh, that employment history, the identity history of that user is much more dispersed. And so as a result, uh, I think typically you have to cobble together a wider range of sources in order to truly validate, you know, are they are, uh, are they are who they say they are, uh, which, which makes that much more complex. So how can automation help sort of, you know, change that process, particularly for Gen Z, if, you know, you're not relying on traditional credit reports and, you know, things that give you, you know, that credit history. So how can automation, you know, make it possible to, you know, onboard these Gen Z customers effectively? Yeah, I think one thing, um, being able to, to, to being able to automate and build out, you know, much more dynamic integrations to a wider range of data sources, right, is going to be really, really critical. Uh, and two, because of uh, you're, you're essentially increasing the amount of data scope that you need to view in order to uh, to bring on board these type of customers and, and having that go through a manual review process just doesn't scale anymore, right? You're going to need to bring in uh, technology, whether it's NLP, whether it's uh, OCR, uh, whether it's, you know, ID verification scanning, um, in order to automate a lot more of that flow in order to create a, a really, really seamless experience, right? You want to ensure that, okay, for, for the good users that they're going through an extremely happy path automated experience and ideally one that doesn't require manual intervention or human touch. Uh, but for those that, uh, and then on the flip side, you also want to automate, you know, for users that, that do look obviously bad, being able to pick that out in a really, really automated fashion before they commit on the platforms. Uh, and for those that have been, been in the middle, uh, being able to leverage technology to be able to pull out, you know, the key pieces of data that you want to actually review for that user to, to, to validate whether or not you want to, to want them to go through the process. I think it's going to be really, really critical in order to offering uh, the experiences that they're expecting. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, too, because I, I remember President Biden was thinking of developing a way for the government to or helping organizations figure out ways to develop a different way to report credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may facilitate some of this for banks, I guess. But it'll be, you know, wait, we'll have to wait and see what that actually means. But so you, you, know, you noted, too, that companies like Step and Square have been successful because their platforms have used, you know, all sorts of social media in order to ge- engage Gen Z, um, mm-hmm. whether it's TikTok, Twitch, or Snapchat. Um, and then you've also advocated for, you know, word of mouth marketing, you know, for influencers, you know, and I, I don't necessarily see this as a strategy for blue chip banks, though, do you? I think what you're talking about simply is, you know, challenger banks, neo banks or whatever else or newer digital payment providers. Uh, you know, do you see 
you know, banks changing their strategy when it comes to Gen Z? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I would actually argue that it's not a different kind of shift in strategy, right? Like, I think, like, we've, we've seen uh, every single bank has had celebrity endorsements, celebrity sponsors, and, and they do it through, you know, channels such as media, print, advertising, right? Um, uh, television, movies, etc. right? And I view this as, as essentially taking that same exact playbook and applying it to the areas as to where Gen Z lives, right? Like they're not really watching TV in real time. Um, they're using, they're, they're viewing TikTok, reading Twitch, viewing live streams or, or viewing Twitter rather, viewing live streams on Twitch. Uh, and it's okay, how do you actually build uh, the right authentic, authentic brand for that consumer? How do you identify like the main influencers or quote unquote new age celebrities, right? Amongst those, those platforms. And how, how do you actually reach uh, those users. And so I, I would actually argue that, um, I mean, I, I haven't seen a great, uh, you know, blue chip TikTok ad from a bank yet. Um, and I'll, I'll be curious as to when that happens, but I, I, I view it as probably as a, as a pretty natural extension uh, to what they're doing today, right? They have those marketing budgets, those exist. Um, I think understanding how those platforms works and, and you can't just take a TV ad and put it into a TikTok ad that doesn't work. It's just not authentic to that platform. I think that's going to be kind of the key puzzle to unlock there. So, you know, how can banks better facilitate this process, though? You know, I mean, what does automation mean in 2021 when it comes to young customers? Yeah, I, I, I do think it goes down. I mean, I, I think we've obviously seen a lot of headwinds with the, the pandemic and, and moving to truly kind of omni-channel digital, digital first experiences, right? Um, but I, I generally think that like automation and offering a first class like digital product goes hand in hand, right? Uh, uh, I think financial services is, is unique in the sense that it's one of the few digital products where when you press a button in your on your app, the button doesn't say what, what it's supposed to do, right? Like well, when I go onto Google and I press Google, right? Google XYZ and I press the search button, Google submits the logic to go and actually search my query, right? When I press, you know, in my bank account, I want to send $1,000 to the other bank account. That doesn't automatically get triggered, right? Because there's a ton of different decisions. There's a ton of different data points. There's all these different things that need to be pulled as to whether or not that financial institution actually wants to enact that payment in, in a digital first band manner. Uh, and in order to do that in, in real time, you're going to have to automate everything, right? You're going to automate how you pull the data, what data you're pulling, what decisions should be made uh, as a result of that data. Um, otherwise, the alternative is not having any, uh, any, any automation, doing it through manual review, having a person at a call center review that transaction. And even if that just takes a few minutes, uh, you're going to lose out the customers to someone that, that, that has a much more automated experience, right? And I think that's what we've started to see with this, this kind of rise of fintech platforms with the likes of, you know, you mentioned Square and Step. Like they do have real-time experiences powered by uh, technology. They don't have thousands and thousands of people in a call center reviewing transactions. They're using technology to automate all of those reviews. Um, and that I think is extremely key to be able to scale your user base and scale uh, a real-time experience. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder, though, you know, if, you know, some of the larger banks and, you know, mid-sized banks understand 
I mean, I, I'm sure they understand the threat, you know, from alternative payment providers and all sorts of other, you know, fintech companies that facilitate transactions, financial transactions. But at the same time, it doesn't seem as if they really get it. <laughs> do you do you get my drift? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, what do, what do you think, you know, is do you think banking is responding enough to the, the outside threat? Yeah, I think they are. I, 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 and this is probably a bit of my, my own bias experience, but the, the, the execs at, at all these banks definitely have it as a kind of a top line strategy, right? Like they're aware of the threat that some of these fintech companies present. And uh, I think a lot of bank execs are uh, actively concerned about, you know, or, or, or not a concern, but aware of, okay, you know, what does this mean for the next generation uh, of users potentially on our platform, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where historically, I think you've been able to be reliant upon, okay, great. Like if, if my parent banks at ABC Bank, right? And my family banks at ABC Bank, historically, most likely, I was also going to open a, a bank account at ABC Bank, right? But I think for the first time in a long time, uh, that's no longer true, right? Um, and, and so I think the hard part though is one, getting that strategy kind of dispersed across your entire financial institution, right? And then two, uh, it does require a lot of refactoring, revamping, like legacy technology infrastructure, right? Uh, like if I want to offer, uh, I, I think these fintech companies do have the advantage where a lot of them are building from scratch. Um, they don't, they, they don't have hundreds and hundreds of years of just legacy code architecture that they have to completely revamp different processes. They have to revamp teams. They have to rebuild and refactor how different systems are integrated to each other. Uh, these vendor companies like don't have to do that, right? They get a build from scratch using best-in-class technology on day one. Uh, and I think that is an advantage for them to move quickly. Um, but the advantage that these banks do have is that they do have the brand. They do have trust amongst consumers, generally speaking. Uh, and, and I think that that's the biggest challenge is how do you actually implement something quickly at scale and build scale, but also doing so in a, in a very sort of regulated, regulated environment is still quite difficult. Right. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about the automation behind Alloy, Alloy's API and what it facilitates for financial institutions. Yeah. So the way I sort of describe what Alloy does is on one side, um, we provide kind of an ecosystem or marketplace of any sort of data uh, that you could potentially care about as it relates to onboarding a customer um, or even uh, ongoing transaction monitoring for the purposes of uh, AML requirements, right? Uh, we, I think, as, as you mentioned, we integrated to 85 different data sources uh, that and all provide sort of different, unique, interesting signals around identity, whether it's around phone data, email data, identity data, even device data, uh, ID data. Um, you can build a really comprehensive picture of the user by plugging and playing and by sort of a plug and play integrations into all the data sources we provide. Uh, and then on top of that, we provide uh, a decisioning layer. So you can kind of think about it as a, a no code, low code workflow tool uh, where, you know, your operations team, your uh, data teams, your uh, fraud identity teams can easily build uh, sort of logic and, and decision workflows on top of that data to actually automate that process, right? If you want to be able to pull in, phone data from one source and compare that against, you know, a phone data from another source and also loop in potentially social media data uh, from a, a third fraud source, you know, we can help build that uh, kind of workflow within our platform. Um, and it's all automated uh, and done in real time via APIs. Well, let me flip the flip this script here for a bit and pretend you're, you know, working at a financial institution, knowing what you now know 
from your life at a fintech, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would imagine that the difficulties for bank banking uh, for banks is that they're dealing with so many different vendors, right? Yeah, and vetting those vendors as well as coordinating the various services, processes, and solutions that they provide, you know, and that mix that you know, trying to get this ecosystem to work together is complicated. Yeah. And so if you're sitting, you know, somewhere, you know, in the C-suite, your CISO, your CIO, whatever, you know, chief data officer, how do you facilitate the many different relationships that you have with vendors to more effectively move your products to to banking customers? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's a great question. It's a hard problem, right? Um, uh, I, it, 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 it's funny. I, I think that a lot of the advantages that, that fintech applications has is that you, just the pure ability to be able to move and test different vendors quickly, right? There's uh, tons of new emergent uh, threats uh, and surface areas as it relates to fraud and identity. And uh, in order to be able to, I think, build a, a world-class onboard experience, you're constantly having to refresh uh, what data sources are out there, being able to test and iterate very, very quickly as to which data sources provide the most signal is really, really important. But most banks, I think, to be honest, aren't, aren't set up for that type of rapid iteration, right? It's, okay, great. Even if I want to test a new data source that it's extremely high signal that we've seen case studies for that, oh, it's going to you know, lower fraud rates by 40, 50%. Uh, great. The next answer is, okay, before I could test it, I would put you through vendor due diligence. I'm going to have to scope out engineering resources. I have to get that onto a, you know, a, a two-year timeline before I can integrate you out. Uh, and by the time I integrate you in the next you know, two, three years, that data source could be completely outdated, right? And there's a new, uh, more, newer data source that has more signal on the market that I have to kind of re- reincorporate back into a roadmap, right? And that sort of rapid iteration and cycle uh, isn't very conducive to, to creating, I think, really great experiences. Uh, but that's something that, 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 that we provide at Alloy where um, we make it really, really easy to be able to test uh, and build uh, and even back test different data sources, right? If there is a new data source that, you know, our clients have found to be high signal, we're often going back to uh, a lot of our clients, our banking clients and saying, hey, you know, we found this data source to be really, really high signal, I think for your user base, uh, we believe it can cut down on significant amounts of fraud. We can help you uh, back test that, provide information as to how much signal does it provide for your user base. Uh, and you can test easily without having to dedicate an entire engineering team on day one uh, to see whether or not this data source is going to work and if it's worth actually investing the time and resources to do a full deploy across your, your user base. But I, I do think it, it's, a, it's a mix of both. Um, leveraging sort of best-in-class technology and APIs, as well as also probably a bit of a process change internally to be able to to more rapidly onboard and iterate with with new different types of data. I would imagine, though, when you're dealing with your financial institution clients, sometimes the the actual challenge is not necessarily the deploying of the automation, more so than just dealing with the the culture of the people yeah. that work there. Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Oh, 100%. I think there's there's often... Uh, uh, there's, there is a lot of product product like process change, right? And like the, the, anytime you move from, you know, something that historically has been very manual to, to something that's, that's automated, like it, you, you have to kind of do it in steps, I think, for, for, uh, to get full buy-in across a, a bank or an FI. Um, and, you know, if, if I go to you and say, hey, you know, this process that you've been doing manually for the past 
20, 30 years with a team of 1,000 people, we're going to have one person do it. It's going to be fully automated. It's going to be just as accurate. You're probably going to get a lot of blank stares and uh, not going to, it's, it's probably going to take a lot longer to get implemented, right? So I think it often takes a lot of step functions to be able to show and prove that it's just as performant, if not more performant than the current manual flows and being able to even run it side by side for a while to validate that it's going to be really important uh, to get that fully deployed and get the team bought in. Sure. So, you know, looking at the clients that you're dealing with, the banking clients, what sort of automation innovations should banks be most focused on? Or in other words, you know, what challenges do they face that they most need to address with automation that they may not be doing effectively enough now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I still focus on just uh, the, the automation that's required uh, to actually create a best-in-class onboarding experience, right? Like, I think that the bar has shifted now uh, where you're no longer competing against other banks in regards to who has the best banking app and who has the best account opening experience, right? You're being compared against, you know, not, not even the fintechs of the world, but just the other apps that exist on my phone, right? If I open up my banking app and it's slower than me opening up uh, any other app on my phone that's powered by Google, powered by Apple, et cetera, I'm immediately not a fan of that banking application, right? I think it's it's fun. I think if you go on the app store and you look up the ratings for a typical bank application, these banks are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on their banking apps and they're all rated kind of three star plus, right? Uh, like I think it's rare to find a banking mobile app that has uh, four plus, five plus stars uh, around the experience. And a lot of that I think is because there's still just a ton of manual processes as it relates to onboarding someone online, right? I think historically, it wasn't even until the last two years, I think that if I went to any of the top five banks, uh, I had to go in person to open up a bank account, right? I couldn't open a bank account online. I couldn't open a bank account on my phone. That seemed completely crazy to them, right? There's a lot of processes, kind of manual processes, I think that people have sort of duct taped on on the back end, um, where it looks automated on the phone, but turns out it's being powered by you know, thousands of people offshore somewhere that are manually mechanical turking reviewing these applications. And I think uh, there's just a lot of just like low hanging fruit to automate and use it sort of best in class APIs uh, to automate just pulling in the relevant data and being able to make you know, very straightforward decisions on top of that data. Well, that seems like a good place to stop. I want to thank you very much, Charlie, uh, for joining us. Uh, that wraps up this episode of The Buzz. Thanks for listening. And please let us know how we're doing at bankautomationnews.com. And, of course, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. Hope to uh, have you listening soon. <laughs>